Welcome back, folks. This is episode number whatever I forgot. <laughs> Chief Barnes is over here playing with all the buttons. This is episode 108. 108 of the Behind the Badge podcast at the Monroe County Sheriff's Office. I'm with my partner, Tisdale. How you hey, doing, Tiz? Doing good. Doing Definitely good. Tiz. Loving life. Everything's going well. Why? Hey, Why are you loving it's, life? It's a new day. Things going on all over the bureau. Like I thought you were going to talk offline. I thought you were going to reference the Steelers there for a minute. Oh, well, they're going good, too. They're going good. We got our own issues there, though. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys haven't listened for a while, Tiz is, uh, runs his own <laughs> podcast on Steeler Nation. And yeah. Talking about them Pittsburgh Steelers, you and Jamie are just oh, yeah. huge oh, fans. Man. But the, I do got to bring something out. I mean, the Dolphins. Yeah, looking like a power off. 70. Yeah, that was Buffalo's crazy. got their work cut out for them, I think. It it's comes to a game. point where, where you got to have a – it shouldn't be like a mercy flag. A mercy rule. <laughs> <laughs> a mercy flag. A mercy rule. Like, oh, my God. Like in little guy in soccer. He <laughs> <laughs> scored 40-some runs. they got to keep scoring to get their BCS ranking up. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. So they can get the top four. That's awesome. Tiz, we got a couple of familiar faces back with us. Chief yeah. Barnes of the Fairport Police Department. Chief Long of the Gates Police Department. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks this for having actually, us. Uh, we had a great uh, episode maybe about a year, year and a half ago, and uh, talking about you guys as brand-new chiefs of your uh, respective departments. And Chief Long had a great idea. He was like, hey, can we come back and talk about scar tissue? I'm my my, <laughs> <laughs> my scar tissue I've received in the last, <laughs> in the last year. Heavy yeah. as the head, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. lonely at the top, all these cliches that we hear. It's, it's true, though, isn't it, gentlemen? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, it was a good good idea. Come on back. Let's see what's happened in the last year and a half in your departments, but also leadership lessons gained and learned and mm-hmm. what's been working well. So great to have you back. Chief Barnes, real quick recap. Who are you? What do you do for a living besides? Uh, yeah, so uh, Matt Barnes. I work with the Fairport Police Department. I've been there a little while now. Became chief about a year and a half or so ago. Uh, took over from Sam Farina, who was our uh, prior chief, great chief, who is now with the uh, Fairport Central School District. There's your swearing in with your beautiful bride. Yep, been a long year. Uh, a lot of lessons learned. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of lessons learned. That's that's called leadership. Yeah. When I teach, I talk about scar tissue. You know, you can read all the books and manuals you want, and that's good. Uh, but when you get zapped a couple times, you're like, all right, that didn't work so well. Yep. Or, or watch other people. What about the the fine chief Long? Uh, a little chief, bit about yourself, real quick. But. Yeah, Robert Long. Uh, just hit 21 years total in law enforcement. So. Uh, 18 with the town of Gates, became chief last year, um, like probably a month before Barnsley took over in Fairport. So uh, we were we were fairly new last year when we came in here together. I took over after, uh, you know, the, the legend James Van Brederode retired. Um, he was chief for almost 10 years out our way. Good, and yeah, yeah yep, he was a good mentor and, uh, you know, took over after that and just trying to keep my feet wet and keep moving on. You yeah, know, you're, you're talking about scar tissue. Oh, you know? man. Yeah, you got to into it. Well, you both did. You yeah. Know, oh, nothing's yeah. easy in this job. It's uh, it's amazing having partners like you. I think one of the key things that we got to talk about, though, is, is both you came from a, another police department, right? I mean, you, you got that multi-jurisdiction education, if you will. How do other people do it and then bring it to your own? And I think that's important. You came from RPD, Chief. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think it's, uh, and continue, too, to have interactions with other departments, yeah. whether it's through our law enforcement council meetings or our chief's meetings once a month, just hear how other people are doing it what went right, what went wrong, to try to avoid some of the pitfalls and maybe steer towards the, the good things. Right. Let me ask you something. Chief Long, uh, oh, MCSO, I just got to brag about that real quick, the star. Yeah, yeah. I was a star one time? I started with the sheriff's part-time, uh, airport star, parks, marine unit. Um, through all that experience is how I met, actually, Barnsey out in, I think you were out in Fairport at the time, um, either a sergeant or a patrol officer. Um, we got to teach an in-service together. Yeah, we did. Um, out, and it was actually held out in a, at yeah. one of the Gates firehouses. So we, we worked together then, and 
you know, just a, it's, it's two uh, law enforcement professionals. And at that day, standing there with them, I never would have thought that fast forward, what, eight, ten years, we were going to be chiefs calling each other once a week saying, hey, uh, what's this problem? How do you got it? Because Fairport, even being on the east side, Gates being on the west side, we're a little bit bigger. I probably got double yeah. of the staff, but we're still small enough where what affects me affects him and vice versa. And we're constantly, you know, any of these law changes or, or policy changes, we're both small enough where we don't have the staffing to do a lot of things. Um, so we got to get creative and improvise. And, and it's you got to do it yourself. Yeah. And it's good running it off uh, Matt's head because he's, he's, you know, pretty he's smart. He, he knows what he's doing out there in the law enforcement world. So it's like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. He might be like, well, you may not. Or, hey, brother, that's a great idea. Just do it. Right. Run with it. You know, and it's, it's a good uh, mentor and coach to have, you know, at the same level. So that's great. How did it feel for you guys going from, you know, where you were before to all of a sudden now you're the main man? And like you said, you're trying to uphold to the guys before you, you know, whether better or worse. But, I mean, just trying to uphold to that standard. How did that feel for you guys first coming in? I think, you know, I've had a while at this job. Uh, I think I'm in my 26th year now. So I think it would have been way different if I had 15 years on. Right. Um, I think it was maybe a little different for me because I was in Fairport so long. You know how you want to be treated, right? right. You know what, what works and what doesn't work in that town or that police department setting. So, and it comes down to, you know, the sheriff and I always teach, we teach leadership. We have a program, we teach leadership and uh, we always talk about leadership and we wonder how people get it so wrong. You know, I try to get it right every day. I'd like to believe some days I get it pretty good and some days maybe I'm off, but that leaders eat last mentality. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. I re- that servant leadership, that whatever title you want to place upon it. I really think it's that simple. I really, truly do. I think it comes down to that, at least for me, and I know for the sheriff it does too. Yeah, absolutely. How about yeah, you, how about yeah I think for, for me, I'd like, I can compare it to like a minor league sports team, right? So when I was a road patrol lieutenant, um, I was kind of like in the minor leagues. You had Chief Van Brederode, who's the major leagues, right? He's the he's the guy running the show. But he would bring you into uh, some of the things, you know, like he, he was doing budgeting, and he would bring me in and say, hey, listen, this is how you do a budget right. from an early on standpoint. This is how, you know, he would handle a, a citizen complaint on the phone. He'd call me and put it on speakerphone. And then he'd say, hey, watch this. This is how you handle a citizen. But just taking me by the hand, unfortunately, you know, and, and showing me every little step of the way. It's but that's cool. how you build and you see. And then, you know, I'll be honest to tell you, there's some things that he did that I was like, eh, you know, maybe not. And that's where you change as a leader and bring a little difference to your your organization. You know, either changing the 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 look on a car, for example, like the right. sheriff's office went through and changed the logos. You know, those are different things that a different administration brings. And, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Um, some, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm the best leader by any any uh, realm there. Um, I make my mistakes too. And daily, it's just right? owning daily. them. You know? Yeah, oh yeah, daily. Yeah, leaders. I, yep. I, uh, under Sheriff Corey Brown says it all the time in our newly promoted uh, people. Every time we promote people, we sit down a good hour with them and give them our expectations and our pet peeves. And and uh, his one of his best sayings is, "Hey, no one in this room is smarter than anybody else. We just have mm-hmm. different job descriptions, right? That's uh, so. Let's let's start out with that base that I'm not smarter than you, and you're not smarter than me. And both of us have strengths and weaknesses. So let's support those. Uh, and that's where you get the secret to the sauce of leadership. You know, you, it sounds cliche. You surround your people. With, you start off with people that are smarter than you. You know, but." Yep. It, it sounds cliche, but when you do it, it's, it's you, there's vulnerability there, right? Mm-hmm. There's intimidation. There's, you know, you're supposed to be the boss and all knowing, mm-hmm. right? And have all the answers to all the questions. <laughs> and that's just never true. No, <laughs> never true. And no way. And I but, think Chief Long put it go, you know, when you think you're the man, that's when you're in trouble. When you think you got it all, yep. yeah, that's when you're going to set yourself up for total failure. But if you do fail, 
because we do fail in logic, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And Absolutely. you pick yourself back up and you keep going on. But when you, I think it's more, uh, it shows more leadership quality when you can say, listen, I failed at this. All right. All right. So now how am I going to improve this? And this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need you to do. This is how we have to work as I was a group gonna, to get this done. I was going to ask you both a question on, on leadership and management, right? And we know there's a difference between the two and you got to be able to do both. Uh, or get people around you that, that are very good at the other one that you're not good at, right? So if you're a good leader, get a good manager. If you're a good manager, develop some leadership skills or get leadership with you. Uh, and usually we're good at one. So let me ask the opposite question. You know, I didn't mean to throw you guys under the bus here, but what? give me one leadership skill you would improve upon yourself, Chief Long. What, what, what would be, as a self-evaluation, which every good boss should do, probably does it at 3 o'clock in the morning most times, oh, like yeah. I do. Oh, like, yeah. ah, damn, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. like, you, what would you like to improve? I mean, you're, you're out mowing the lawn, and it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, I shouldn't have said uh, that, or I should have done this. And I, I will wholeheartedly say this one. One of, one of my downfalls is not uh, delegating. Hmm. You know, and I, I was thinking That's about this one. recently, and I was talking to, actually, the two lieutenants, and I was like, you know, Something comes to my desk, and I'm just like, all right, I want it done, and I got to get it done, right. and I just jump into something, right. you know, and, and then next thing you know, you got one thing, two, four, six, eight, you know, and now it's all like piling on, and slowly I saw that I wasn't getting some of the things done because I was too busy jumping into others, and then right. slowly I had to take this little look back and say, listen, all right, this is... Not that it's not something I could do, but hey, let me pass this on to somebody else who's not doing anything, right. or let me delegate this out to an officer or a sergeant. And, and at the same time, you're developing yeah. the people below you. And, and that was the other thing, too, is that by taking away some of these things, like working on grants, for example, mm -hmm. now nobody else knows how to work on grants. Right. Right? So how am I developing my subordinates or mm -hmm. the people below me that are going to come up through the ranks at some point and take over? And they'll never know how to write a grant. So it's like, all right, yeah, write this traffic safety grant. It's something small, but... Just do it. Instead yeah, we'll of, walk through it together. Yep. Yeah. And you have that resource there. Like, I'm the resource. I can help them right. to do it. And then someday they're going to be in my spot, and they'll help somebody else. And, you know, that was the – instead of taking everything all on yeah. at once, pass it on yeah. to other people too. And the unfortunate part, we're eight-type personalities. We're like, mm -hmm. I can just get this done, right? I'm yeah. just going to knock it out. Or I don't want to ask anybody, right? I'm a, Chief Burns, I, I gotta number one development thing you could do for yourself as far as a serious, serious note, if I had to self-evaluate, it's probably patience with me. Mm -hmm. It just – I know what needs to be done. I know how to do it. I just need people to implement that. Sometimes I just need to take another couple of <laughs> Yeah, take <laughs> but a step it's back. frustrating. Right? It you know is. what I mean? Just go knock it out, square it away. Let's move forward. This needs to happen. But uh, that that's it for me is patience. Yeah. And people who know me are probably laughing right now. You're, you you got to go. If there's a to-do list, let's let's just do it. Just do it. Knock it yeah, out, right? Done. So, yeah. But it's probably patience with me. I, that's definitely that's my good. downfall. Hey. And I hope people understand how humble you two gentlemen are. And, and that's, you know, you're, you're on a podcast talking about how you can improve yourself. That's what leaders should be doing. Uh, I didn't say that was the only thing. Yeah, I was going to say, say there's, there's many the room. Thing. No, no, I got, I'm calling both your brides right now to find out what the real <laughs> answer are. There, there's a lot of room for improvement on this side. <laughs> Let me ask you guys something. Like, you know, what do you enjoy most of your role as chief of your perspective towns? You know, it, and I, I know this might be a cliche answer, but the, the compliments that you get from our town residents or people outside of our town, because I, um, you know, I do a lot of travel into Chile and Henrietta and Greece to go shopping and do some other things. And you run into people who recognize you and they, and they talk about, oh, hey, Gates, you know, you got a good police department out there. You guys are doing the good thing. Right. You guys are fighting good and you're trying to help us out. And there's a, there's a lot of our residents that you'll see out there and they'll pull up to you and say, hey, I know a lot of people don't say this, but great job out there. 
or they see you in uniform. It, it just happened on Friday night. I was uh, working the road a little bit with the guys before homecoming, um, and I stopped to get a Pepsi at one of the gas stations, and I come walking out, and this lady, uh, she goes, hey, I'm a resident. I've been watching you guys forever. Thank you for what you do. Um, you guys are out there, and you're, you're doing it good. And she's got in her car and drove away, and I get in my car. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But then it sits in for a second. You're like, oh, man, you know, there are people out there that – still love us you know still want us there still still support the police still support the blue you know um and that makes you feel good as a chief because you know now whatever policies and procedures i'm doing that my people are doing you know in in return are working you know they're not hurting our residents and they're helping our residents out and whatever we're doing patrol wise they they recognize that we're we're out there trying to do what's good for for our area and our community yeah, that's powerful because a, a lot of it, when you start, like you said, when you start to realize that the residents have that buy-in and that backing, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. And like you said, it makes that department sparkle. And, you know, both of you guys have been doing a phenomenal job. So how about you? How do you feel, you know, with that role? I think uh, I hate politics. I really do. I, I realize, obviously, ultimately you're a politician, right? You get elected when wow. they say that. It's not a shot. You sure. took it as a shot. So what's it say about you? <laughs> it's not a shot at all. I go through a political process. Okay. <laughs> However you want, that's the problem. Retitling, reshelving, renaming. I, I am more just cut the bowl and he's a politician. He is. And it's not a bad thing. It's just whatever. It's what society calls for, right? And it's a good thing, actually. Why Shares are, are elected. <laughs> They're not appointed. It is. Right, right. And I think they're No, absolutely. They, yeah, right. It, so it just bust jobs a lot, but. the hardest thing for me is, is the politics. I do not like the politics, and it'll probably be the reason I leave this job. It really will. Um, the one thing I still enjoy about this job, I still, I still like the guys. I don't hate my men. I don't. Mm-hmm. There, there's some chiefs that hate their men. You know what I mean? Not right. hate their men, but I appreciate our guys. I really do. They, they work hard. Okay. They, they do their best every single day, and sometimes they get it. A lot of times they get it spot on. Sometimes they don't, but a lot of times more so than, than not, they, they do a great job. Um, I still like meeting with people. I really do. They, they come in, and especially in a smaller town like Fairport, they'll still come into the office, hey, they want to talk to the chief. doesn't matter if I'm the most knowledgeable person in that, in that building or not, they still want to talk to me, right? They don't right. know me. Just had a guy come in last week, lived in the town, mm-hmm. said sit down, he was being scammed. It was an easy conversation, um, easy fix, but I still like that. You know, I think you should still have that, that connection with the people. I really, really, truly do. Yeah, I, and that's huge because the connection, like we just said, that connection with the people in the town, especially smaller towns as well, yep. that 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 builds a, a special bond. You know what I mean? And it's something that you you can't push off to the side. You guys are showing it with the phenomenal work that you guys are doing in your towns. So, yeah, we joke a lot about uh, metro policing, right? And we always had these conversations. And you know, there's some smaller police departments in Monroe County. There's some very large ones, the RPD and in Greece. Greece got about 100 people, I think. Um, you know, so they did. They did. I'm <laughs> they did. Sorry, Chief. I think they're rebuilding <laughs> Sorry, right now. Uh, Mike is doing a great job, by the way. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but, you know, one of the benefits of this, that smaller police department, I, and I truly believe in this, your, your law enforcement should be as close to the community as possible. And one of the benefits of being, you mentioned politics, is every four years I'm accountable to the people. 750,000 people in Monroe County can come out and say yay or nay, right? And that, that gives you that ownership, right? I work directly for them, and when you get to these these smaller towns, it's you can walk in and talk to the chief. You know, you, you it's hard to do that in the Rochester Police Department. No offense to Chief Smith or anything, but it's it's a huge organization. It's hard right. to do that with the sheriff's office. I got eleven hundred employees, seven hundred fifty people incarcerated today. Right, that's a lot of responsibility. It's just hard to do. So that's one of the benefits. And you know, I remember back in the day there was a lot of talk about you know 
when you get certain federal administrations or all the, all this stuff that we went through in the last few years, we need to federalize law enforcement. Like, ooh, calm down, <laughs> careful what you want, because you might like it under this president and this administration, but what happens is different. Where no matter what happens, you're knocking on Chief Long door, uh, on his door, right? And they say, I need to talk to you, I'm a constituent. And that's probably gonna happen. You know, so I think that local law enforcement is just a great way to do business. The closer to the community, the better when you have this much power yeah. and authority. Yeah, that's one of the things, too, I learned from uh, Chief and Brother Road is, like, when the, the residents come in and they want to talk to the chief, mm-hmm. every once in a while we got to do a little screening process. We, yeah, we yeah, all understand yeah, that at the window. Some might be you know, because they might be there constantly every day if right. you keep giving, uh, giving input. You know, you always talk to your residents. You always talk to the constituents that are coming in, um, people walking in a town hall. If I'm walking to one of the offices, you stop, hey, how's it going? You know, just introduce yourself. Just you, you got to be open and out there because that's where we are. Like you're saying, the smaller departments, even in, I, I can imagine in a small village, you know, uh, the chief here probably knows half the residents. He's probably run into them at, at some point walking up and down the streets. So you got to keep that uh, tight knit and that, that bond and, and returning phone calls. You know, right. residents call all the yeah. time or giving somebody the delegation. Uh, I yep. learned that in a previous Delega- question. Delegate out some of the return calls, but at least getting back to your residents and yeah, letting exactly. them know. At hey, least getting back to them. Yep. Uh, yep. Take time the, to explain what you used to say back in the old day, right? And if you don't know the answers, I I, I uh, used to keep a stack of your cards, and I just give them out to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure, facts. <laughs> yeah, we do that, too. If you don't know the answer, call C-Zone. So, nice. You know, that's nice. Yep. Very nice. Now, we've talked about some of the positive things. What are you going to defend challenge? the sheriff's office? No, you just went on to positive. Because they'll like, continue on your I'm mission. I'm getting beat up over here. Right. <laughs> he's a big boy. He's, fine. Oh, he's, got, he's got it. He can handle it. He'll come back. <laughs> what are some of the challenges that your department faced, I mean, that you guys see? So I'll start off with this one. There's challenges, obviously, from budgetary to personnel, like we're all having strength of schedule, stuff like that. Obviously, in our town, we have a ton of, uh, of events going on right there's always a poll obviously the sheriff's department answers our call a lot the state troopers the city greece everyone helps us out with our events they're just too large events for size of our department to handle by ourselves so uh, that mutual aid thing's huge too um that, that's a huge challenge um the other things <laughs> i was in a meeting last week i uh, went to a residence uh husband and wife i uh, went with our mayor and another one of our police officers talking about stolen cars and yeah. we had uh, their car got stolen previously. Uh, obviously, a big deal here in Rochester. I think we're up 364%. I think it's the nation's highest, and the highest in the nation here in metropolitan Rochester. So, um, you know, I pulled the numbers. MCAC, uh, Dave, who um, leads MCAC, did a great job, pulled the numbers for me. Wanted to sit down and dissect where are we at, right? Fairport, not in competition to other departments, just in relation uh, to other departments to find out where we're going. I think we had six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Wow. Okay. There has been 37, 3,800 stolen cars in Metropolitan Rochester this year for the first eight months, which is, you know, those numbers are pretty close. I don't yeah, know, Sheriff. Yeah, 3,300. That's the last count I heard, but that was last week, so could very well be. Well, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I think we're up near there, which is astronomical. And, you know, and, and let me just take a step back. We, we, we kind of giggle about that because the number's so ridiculously high. Yeah, we're not we, we got, right. we got right. Those are 3,300 victims yep. waking up in the morning. It's, yeah. that's, that's atrocious. And what, six in your village. Yeah. Those are six people waking up going, my whole life just got thrown in turmoil here for, for what? I yeah. parked my car last night and went to bed. Uh, and that's not fair to anybody. I, just, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to make light of that. There's yeah. still 300 victims. But the number's so ridiculous. It's like absurd. What the heck's going yeah. on? Drive on that exact point what the sheriff just said. So you look at the numbers and you're like, God, we're doing a great job, which we are. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll stand in front of a camera or anything and say, we're not when we're not. But we are doing a great job. Our guys are out humping at Odark 30 in the morning. And they're doing the things they need to be doing. 
But when you go and meet with a family, regardless if you've had one yeah. or 400, and we met with the nicest couple going. I didn't know those people until this. You know, so I, I don't want to say crime brought us together, but we sat down in their home, invited in their home. You know, I don't drink coffee. Coffee was offered. Donuts were offered. I don't, I don't do that, but we, we broke bread with them, right? And we sat right. in, their, mm-hmm. in their house and we talked to them. They invited us into their life because they were a victim of a crime. So it's tough to say, God, we just have sex, but those are six cars. And if you really think of it this way, a car, everyone says, oh, it's a car. It's 98% of Americans' second largest investment, mm-hmm. right? We go house and then cars for most Americans. We don't have, I always say, a second house or third house in the Maldives, right? Most of us don't. Right. Most of us have our house, our largest investment, and our cars are our second largest investment. That's someone's second largest investment getting taken from them. So yeah. uh, whatever. That, that's so stuff like that, um, I guess, kind of brings you together, you know, in a small town or a big town. So I have that ability. Obviously, uh, to go out and still reach out personally like that, and that's what I enjoy. So, right, yeah, that's a. In that case, though, that might be the one and only time that that couple calls nine one one. Their whole, you know, in their whole life, it could be great, great couple. You know, it's they've been victimized. Great, great people. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't know. It's it's not the norm for them. You know, I'm not saying that some people are victimized all the time, but you know, these people have never called nine one one. They lost their car. They lost their means of travel to go to work to see family somewhere. Right. Yep. And, I, and I'll tell you this, too. And at least in our town, you're accountable. You're accountable mm-hmm. as a police chief. Yeah. You're accountable as a patrolman. You're accountable as a sergeant. You hear that. You know, I, I came from RPD. I work Clinton section, 277 car beat. Mm-hmm. Busiest car beat in the entire city of Rochester. You, you didn't know anybody. You were taking 20 to 25 calls a night. That's who you went to. Right. On right. a summer night, some calls waited till the next day. We came in the next day. There was a bird report still waiting because of the volume of calls. They take a half a million calls a year, 500,000 calls a year, right, Sheriff? Right, I think since 311, they've cut it down to like 300 or whatever because most of them are now uh, taking over the phone. But it's it's crazy, the numbers in that department. But still, with, with Fairport, you're you're held accountable. Yeah. You are held yeah. accountable. And, you, and you sh- we should be. And, and victims, right? This whole reform that we went through, we have, we've had six massive reforms come, come down I-90 at us within less hmm. than 48 months, right? And just that causes chaos, right? You, you can agree with them all, They're, the tenants of them maybe – all that. Not even, but when you have that massive reform, and none of those reforms, think about this, none of those reforms talked about victims. None. That's that's the part Not that gets my crawl. None yeah. of them talked about what are we going to do to ensure victims' rights, what are we going to do to ensure victim is at least accounted for in this equation. They were all defendant rights or defendant. And, again, some of those tenets of those reforms were needed, I think. You know, bail, we, we bastardized bail for years. But we practice it to keep the community safe, right? We practice to keep the repeat offenders where they need to be, detained. Uh, and when that went away, we didn't have any way to practice that anymore. Uh, so, again, we can argue about that and make the laws better. But the fact is not one of those talked about those 3,000 victims uh, and holding people that make these laws accountable for that other side of it. That's, that's a whole different subject, and we can have a podcast or five on that. Like <laughs> People making these laws need to go talk to the end users, need to go talk to the victims. Uh, because we are daily talking to those victims, and you're and, and being held directly accountable. Your job description, your de- your officer's job description, is being questioned about their ability to keep their community safe. And all we need is sometimes a little backup on some of these laws, right? Just give us a tool or two to get these people, slow them down, detain them, and find out what the heck's going on in their life, why they're doing their criminality, <laughs> they're being accused of crime. At least figure that part out before you release them back into the community. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, to do your job and do the things you want to do, like you said, as well. When you're in, in, a, in other words, being handcuffed yourself, you know, I mean, from the way that the laws are yeah. are set, so it's an it's an unfair playing field right now because law enforcement being held accountable for something that we 
you know, didn't help create. We weren't invited to the table to help create it, right? And then yeah, the other side of it is, well, there's a crime, 3,300 stolen vehicles. It's got to be a law enforcement issue, right? Because we're responsible for crime, apparently. But, you know, well, we all know at this table, because we're in the stakeholder group of, you know, if we just had some laws that backed this up just a little bit, right? We don't have to go back to where we were, but, you know, you got a repeat offender out there just, just refusing to comply. They need to be detained and figure out what the hell is going on in their life. Their, their, their parents got to be involved in this conversation before we release them, right? At least something. Uh, you got three guns, City of Rochester. We bailed a guy out of jail last year. We bailed. His mom bailed him out. $5,000 bond, right? Or, right. excuse me, $50,000 bond, which sounds like a significant amount of money when we're talking about bail. But this was his third gun charge, and the second gun charge he shot into his girlfriend's window, right? So no money in the world to be involved in this whole, you know, right. exercise of, of detaining or not. You got three guns in the city of Rochester, the second one shooting into your girlfriend's house. You probably should be detained, hmm. right? And money <laughs> money should not be right. part of this right. evaluation at all, right? You, whether you're rich or poor, it's, it's just relevant. Mm -hmm. Are you dangerous or repeating your criminal offense? You refuse to stop. Uh, and I was going to ask you, Chief Long, if you could fix anything, Again, not to talk about all the reforms, but what is one tool you need right now when it comes to legislation? What what would be the one thing you would ask for? Oh, gosh, there's a whole list of them. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Again, we can make five uh, episodes out of this. I, I think, and, I, and I've used this at, at public conversations, too, when, when residents uh, bring it up and, and talk to us about the different reforms and, and some speeches that I've given to the media or interviews. Um, I brought up how, and, and this is a credit to you guys here at the Sheriff's Office, what you were doing starting to do some of the drug rehab, counseling, changing the way you saw incarcerated individuals in the Monroe County Jail, getting them services, getting them help, trying to change their behavior. Mm -hmm. And you guys started doing that, right. and now we can't bring anybody to you. The treatment so, courts. Yeah. And, and the treatment courts are empty. Yeah. And that's those are, the, those are the big things. We have a huge population of people with mental health issues, in Monroe County with yeah. drug or alcohol substance abuse issues right. and they need help not throw the key lock them up throw the key away every on every single individual because there's a lot of people out there that we've run into I've I've run into people in town and said you arrested me once for DWI I haven't drank since that day you know those are the good fuzzy yeah. feelings that we get inside and it does work and you guys were setting the the pace you guys had the programs you were doing this doing that and now we can't even have yeah, a judge send somebody down to kind of forcefully get them the help that you guys were giving them. Right. Um, so I, I would say it's onto that kind of the bail reform. Give the judges the power back to send some people to jail. I mean, there's a, there's a learning experience when you take an 18-year-old who just gets arrested for, you know, like three, four petty larcenies from our Walmart right. or Wegmans, and they have these three open charges. You take them to jail for a couple days, and they learn. There, there is a learning curve to that. Or you don't. You just keep on giving an appearance. There's a learning curve there, yeah. too. And, then and you they're learning the that there's no accountability like, for this behavior. Yeah. And if I got nothing else going on in my life, what do I got to lose? Yeah. Chief, I'm sorry. One thing you'd improve on all the reforms. I, give me I'm going to lose my job if you I answer this question. Okay, moving on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it comes back to accountability. Mm -hmm. Everyone everyone focuses on cops. Everyone focuses on uh, agencies and stuff like that. And it's hard. It's hard. And I, I don't even want to say that. How about we start a website called You Be the Judge or Judge the Judge? Right. We list the judge. We list the defense attorney at that point or uh, assigned counsel, whoever it may be. We list the suspect's name with the maximum allowable enforcement, whether it's five years, 10 years, whatever, and then the sentence given. And we'll keep track of relationships between judges, defense attorneys, so on and so forth. Hold everyone accountable. Why is it just us? Have politicians wear body cameras. Why is it just us? Everybody, not just us. We're, we're one step 
and that stairway. No one holds anyone else accountable. Nobody. And, and, and I will, I'll stop at that because I want to go on and you're smiling. It's profound. I, I'm done profound. with this. And no one wants to speak it because, ooh, we're talking bad about people. Yeah. It's the truth. It, well, people people got to see it. Like you said, on a podcast like this, you you see the frustration that goes around. You know, just not from the public, but it, it it's in-house as well. And, you know, it's very visible. And, uh, you know, we need help. And like you said, the laws, things things got to change. That's what it comes down to. But in touching base on that, I I seen there was a lot of new things coming out there, and the people, <laughs> the people out there in your town. What's some different things they can look forward to out there? I see you guys. Don't think I'm not recognizing you just shifting gears here, Dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I recognize that shift pattern. Oh, so I, right? I, 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 I just want to solidify what you're saying. There needs to be accountability in all, in all parts of the system. We are one small part of the criminal justice oh, system, yeah. right? And it's a whole system. There needs to be accountability. But there also needs to be clear evaluation of laws and what's working, do more of that. What's not working, tweak them. Let's be bold enough to say no perfect law ever came out of Albany. No perfect general order ever was created by Todd Baxter. And I got pages and pages of policy, right? No perfect operational plan when I was a SWAT cop ever went perfect, right? And you're, don't you're have an military guy come to town last week. And What's, tell us to charge certain things, then it's going to work better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's we're smart ridiculous. enough. I think, I mean, we made that phone call. Trust me. Like I wouldn't say that, uh, but that's the way it is. I mean, that's that's what that's the playing field we're doing. But our job is to call these things out because we're public safety, and we're not doing it to throw people under the bus. We're just no. saying if you want to improve public safety, we're professionals. Of this room right here, we got well, to do the math real quick. How many hundreds of years of experience? So we got some expertise in public safety. So at least. Consider our opinions and yeah, consider our tools, right? That's all. And like I talk to medical doctors, and I get three or four different opinions on something that's hurting my elbow, right? So, but then at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick something, and, but I'm going to the experts and ask them their mm-hmm. opinions. It's called second opinion, third opinion, right? Yeah. So, well, we echo and, and champion the frustration across the table that people got to sooner or later, you know, wake up, smell wake the up. coffee, and say, "What? How can we make it better?" That's all. How can we make it better? And, and again. Not throw away the key on anybody. These yeah. are all human beings. But right. when it's appropriate, Elicar individual based as opposed to blanket laws. And I'll just throw one more and then we'll let Tiz go on to his question. Just look at the simple one, marijuana. Legalize it. I, don't, I really don't care. Legalize. Just set up the cart and the horse in the right order. Get the business plans. Get the stores ready to open. If not, when you legalize the possession of marijuana and you don't open one damn store for three years, it causes ten times more chaos than the old marijuana trade used to. And we're sitting through a trial right now of a good friend of ours that was murdered in the marijuana trade. That's what happens. Yep. That's black and white. There's no argument with that. So slow things down. <laughs> evaluate. Yep. Make a look at it. And let's come to the table with honesty conversations. Say, how do I make it better? How do I make it better? That's all. Yeah. Yeah, Calm down. Hey. That ends that counseling session. Along that line, how do you legalize the possession of marijuana, but you can't legally buy it anywhere? That's what I'm saying. The right. cards before like the horse, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you, yeah. When you sit down with like, sit down and develop a business plan around, this, this, around yeah. you know, well, it's emotional based law creation. It's not factual based. And again, you want to legalize it, legalize. Just set, yeah, the, just set the wheels in motion the right way. Or go to Colorado, look what worked there. Go to another state, look what didn't work and evaluate it. Not, yeah. not let's be next to do it. Hurry up. And that's where we get in trouble when we create laws. So. Uh, I may be fired too, but that's not two more years. <laughs> <laughs> but I if they could, you would have been fired a long time ago. 
Oh, Tiz, Tiz, you had a follow-up question. Yeah, Tiz is out the door already. So there's a ton going on in our town. I think going back to your previous shift there. Right. I think I forget this, I've got an Irish memory, trust me. Oh, yeah, but just some new things, right? You got going on in town? Yeah, a ton of stuff going on in town. Yep, a lot of new people. And and it's all great. You know, it really is the building and, and the promotions and all that. But with people come issues, you know, not to be a downer, but I'm just being realistic. Right, um, right. But, yeah, the town has, has grown significantly. And uh, I think we're up to, it's got to be close to 30 bars now in town, wow. which is nuts. I think Ooh. I think there's 26, 28 liquor licenses right now. And I think two more are coming or something like that. Wow. So, yeah, there's a ton going on. It's oh. building. It's growing. ton going on in Fairport. And, and playing off Tiz's question, you guys are always on the cutting edge. I was, I was talking off the air, you know, the autism patch. And now, I mean, you guys are always on the cutting edge of working with the community, even so much as, yeah. you know, developing cars around those those themes, right? And yeah. your, your latest one we were talking off the air. Yeah, uh, for, for this year, actually, it was, uh, we partnered with uh, Andrew Laughlin, one of your uh, yeah, civil deputies. deputies and um, he, he does a lot of stuff in our community. He's, he's on the Gatestown board, right. but he also works with different, nonprofit groups and he brought this idea last year he said hey why don't we do something for cure childhood cancer it's beautiful so we started looking at it but we were like well that's one group that works on a bigger issue so instead of being specific to one group we made a, a childhood cancer awareness patch for the month of october um with um i'm sorry for the month of september with all the the gold on on there and uh it's actually a nice little unique thing that we did and we, we hand them out to some of the kids and uh Got some responses from people um, right. at a family reach out that has a, a child going through some some cancer stuff and said, hey, you know, we really appreciate you guys doing that. Would you guys mind sending us a patch? So, uh, you know, you see how that affects everybody. Next month we have our, our breast cancer awareness right. one. We're big on uh, doing that. I'll wear my pink shirt. Everything's do the breast pink cancer and well, next month. It's amazing. Yep. Cars, oh, yeah. T-shirts. Oh, yeah, we got the car. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got my pink badge for the month with the right. stars. And then I'll put the pink shirt on for the walk. And, uh you know, we signed up Team Gates yesterday. Actually, we're working on that. We, you know, I, I don't know anybody that's uh, hasn't had that affect them in in any sort of way. You know, family wise, department wise. You know, yeah. um, so we we go out and we do that. Cops, cops are always giving back, man. No matter how you, every time we do one of these episodes, we look around and like, what are people doing outside that uniform serving? Yep. And it, it's nonstop. It's, it it's is. never ending. Yeah, and we jump into November, not the ad, but it's like it seems three months in a row. So that's Veterans Month. We got our uh, camouflage Veterans patch and car. And we appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah we help. do. You know, that's awesome. Well, us, you know, Veterans Day Parade, eleven eleven this year. We, we all appreciate our be, veterans. So. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's sad. It's sad because uh, my father in law is a Vietnam vet, and just listening to the utter disrespect and treatment that <laughs> gentlemen like you guys and him got when they came back. Yeah, you know, he, they uh, they go to do what they were doing and then they come back and our government doesn't support them come they on 11 11 veterans yeah. day parade and, and you know but with that being said i got to run the veterans outreach center for three years a non-profit oldest non-profit taking care of veterans in the local community base started by vietnam guys right they came back with that hell and earth and you know in the, in the government they didn't trust and they started this beautiful thing that now takes care of thousands of veterans a year here in monroe county right they, sure. that's what they created with that that anger <laughs> that's what yeah. they created with that disconnect from the government uh, because they they needed to um they created something simply. That's what you could do with that that passion, right? Mm-hmm. They came back and they were pounding holes in walls. Trust me, I still see the holes over there in South Africa, <laughs> and I can name some names. And you know, the world beautiful people like Gary Biker, you know, came back and created something now that takes care of thousands of veterans and just fills the gap the VA can't do or whatever that looks like. But real quick, I know we're going to go into Miranda Zone, but Baja, 
You want to talk a little bit about Baja? You want to talk about Baja? You want to talk about Baja? We were supposed to be preparing for Baja. We were supposed to be in Baja next year. Two months from now. Next year. The great Sheriff Todd Baxter wanted to do a bike ride from here to uh, Egypt or wherever he went to <laughs> and see a sunset or something like that. His so thirty one. Right. His yogurt. Right? Maybe that. I think he took a few boat <laughs> rides. Took uh, if you don't know, Sheriff Baxter went on a seven hundred and twenty three mile. How close am I? Uh, fifty five. Seven fifty five. Now you're bragging. Seven hundred fifty five <laughs> mile bike ride uh, from Rochester to Vermont and uh, no to Maine. To Maine, the most eastern yeah. part of America. Yeah, Lubeck, yep. Maine. And you saw the first sunrise in America, is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's the first place the sun touches the continent of the United States. Wow. Yeah, it's so, yeah, it's how long did it take you? 11 days? 11 days. We do the Baja <laughs> 1000. Matt built this beautiful car. He crashed it once, so he built we another car. Crashed he it. crashed we... it once. But this is in Baja, Mexico, and it's what an experience down there. The Mexican people are just Who like, took that hey. picture, Sheriff? <laughs> Who took that oh, picture? I did. I think you're still in the car. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what a crunched up new bug looks like uh, uh, when you take you the wrong path. that door still? Uh, that, talk about that stuff right there, man. So just so you know, the most important part of that picture stuff. is we flipped it back over after we flipped several times down a mountain. And we drove another 500 miles, right, to yeah. the wow. traffic. And yeah. then we had those dents later on, still in it. So. <laughs> it's getting stuck in that filthy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Pushing three minutes, four that minutes, three hours, push, yeah, we'll push, see. push. But, so we may be going back. Uh, but that's what it, we all need, that A-type personality. We all have yeah. adventures that we need to do and, and Definitely. keep ourselves sane and uh, so with that, we, we jump into the thing called the No Miranda Zone. You guys have been here before. We ask questions, you have to answer them. Simple as that. Plead a fifth. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> up, all right. Favorite show of all time, guys? The X-Files. Wow. Oh, I like that show. That's a good show. Never watched it. What? <laughs> Probably Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> Every Friday night, my father and I watch uh, the Dukes of Hazzard. Really? So you got to go with the Dukes of Hazzard. There you go. I have no idea how to follow that one up. I, I literally didn't see that coming. It's the good old boy. That's right. Most profound leader in your life. Oh, my father. God bless. Yeah, no, no yeah. doubt about it. You know, outside of family? No, that was perfect. Yeah, don't, father, don't, no don't he raised, he raised, my father raised 10 kids. Yeah. There's seven girls, three boys in our family on a very, very minimal income. Works his tail off. off. Yep, uh, he's 87 years old right now. Um, yeah, just great, great guy. You can't, cannot say enough nice things about my father. That's beautiful. Really? Yeah. Just the hardworking, as honest as it gets. That's cool. So I do not know a more honest or straightforward guy. That's awesome. So, what a great, great character. Yeah. I guess they ditto. Yeah. Dad and mom. So tied, running the family, keeping everybody together. Uh, through some hard times back in sure. back in our days in our family, you know, with loss and uh, just providing for us and, and raising two boys. We didn't have the, the clan that you had over there, but Barnes. still doing all that work. And mom going to school while working full time working an extra job, dad doing the same, you know, going to work and putting all those hours in just to, to provide for me. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And they had the, they had the right mindset too, of, you know, keeping us in line. When, when you get out of line, they were parents. Yep. They weren't my friends. They were my parents. <laughs> yeah. So guys, if money was no object, where would you travel? Ooh. Australia. I want to see Australia. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. I love Baja. Probably back to Baja. Go back. Yeah. You know, there's a place I'd like to see in the world. One of them is Australia, but I mean, consistently, I, I don't know. Baja never, never disappoints to me. Yeah, it's it's always given. And it, your question to Chief Barnes is profound because money is not a limitation in his world. Oh, here, no. we <laughs> <laughs> should I? I want to. You know what? I'm going to be nice right now. He doesn't now. know what my guess. That's a story. But with that, we're going to wrap it up. We're ten minutes over, but this is where the oh. conversation with these two gentlemen go. And oh, thank great you. Great to have you back. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your, your last Chisdale, year of experience. Thanks, no problem. 
Till next week, folks. Be safe.